Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Happy New Year, Gems. Happy New Year indeed, Dominique. Welcome everybody to the Really 007 podcast, I'm Tom Pickup and we're here for this special interview with the composer responsible for two James Bond video games, it's Jeff Timmershuk. Now Jeff, I'm hoping I've pronounced that your name correctly. That's that's pretty good actually, it's uh, yeah. Timmershuk, but you're like 98% of the way there. Right. That's Thank you. That's better <laughs> than most of what I've heard through my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say Jeff, it's sure. easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, so... You can watch all our interviews on our YouTube channel and you can listen to them. So we're on iTunes and Spotify and we're on our website at Pod Dojo. So check those out. We've got other interviews with composers such as Parody Fair and uh, also actors from the films and directors. We're on social media, so you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's enjoyable chatting to Bond fans all over the world. So do uh, do add us and get involved in the, uh, the silly debates and uh, the sharing of photographs and all that kind of stuff. I'm Tom Pickup, and I'm joined by a good friend of the show now. Uh, he lives near me. It's, it's Sam Rogers. And Sam, I'm telling you, Jeff, he's a massive fan of not only oh, the Bond music, but particularly the video game. So great to excellent. see. You. I, I can see uh, behind you, Sam. You got uh, a few of the uh, <laughs> a few of them set up. Well, when I realised that I had that looking through IMDb and it just said Nightfire, The Simpsons Hit and Run and Everything or Nothing back-to-back succession. I was like, oh my God, this is literally like my, my preteen life is, <laughs> yeah. is right here. So it was just kind of like an aha moment. So uh, oh, no, I'm very happy to be here for this one. Very cool. Awesome. Jeff oh, yeah. is a, a vastly experienced music composer, uh, having scored, well, countless video games, TV shows, theatre productions as well. 
and of course films now is it nearly 25 years jeff you've been in the industry yeah somewhere around there yeah uh, or well yeah professionally i guess uh, almost 30 but actually you know making a living for yeah. 25 or so yeah that's incredible yeah so mm -hmm. we we of course as bond fans we best know him for his work on two i mean they really are brilliant bond games they're, they're, they're underrated as well this this is nightfire and everything or nothing and they're basically like the two bonus Pierce Brosnan films. So mm. uh, thank you for your work on those. Uh, oh, yeah. My pleasure. It was, uh, yeah. they were a, a, a delight, just a complete yeah. uh, dream to work on. Well, well, we'll get into those in more detail later, but I just yeah. want to ask you a little bit about your, your musical background because sure. there must have been an introduction to it. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to hear how you got involved in the industry. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up, um, in Manitoba, one of the central provinces in Canada. And uh, I grew up playing, uh, doing piano lessons uh, from the time I was about seven or eight. And um, and then that led into uh, playing in rock bands in high school, playing in concert bands in high school, uh, playing in jazz bands. Um, and really, uh, I, I moved out to uh, Vancouver in right after high school with the intent of being a rock star because that's the um, the solid career path to choose. <laughs> and um, I moved out, let's see, it was uh, in 1992. And um, I had grown up in high school with every like leather pants, gonad rock uh, <laughs> band, just playing like at super loud volumes on my car, like... Uh, and that's what I wanted to do, as obviously you can tell by the, the hair I've got now. Um, <laughs> but I, I really was, uh, I wanted to, to make a go of it as a, in rock bands. And then um, right around the time that I moved out, uh, uh, grunge took over and that didn't speak to me nearly as much. Uh, and I just kind of took a step. Well, and also the reality is I, I wasn't really suited for playing in rock bands for real. Uh, I'm uh, much more of an introvert and uh, it, it just sort of led to me trying out some other things. And I was doing uh, record production in school um, as the fallback to the second foolproof uh, career. That sort of, I'd always been writing my own music and um, was interested in composition and film music and that sort of thing. And uh, I ended up working at an internet company doing music for their sites for a while. And, and then Few, after a few years of that, uh, a friend of mine um, was a friend of a friend was doing his first short film, and I got my chance to do my first short score. and uh, And then I got introduced to all his friends, and they were all doing their first movies. and And eventually, the plane got off the ground. Yeah. When you were at school, what kind of who who were you into? Like which bands and which uh, can put them? Oh, I was. Uh, it was Van Halen. It was yeah. uh, Extreme, uh, Mr. Big. Basically anything that had you know great guitars, great harmonies, good yeah. hooks. Um, melodies, them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what I was. I was listening to a lot of that, and then it was on the side. It was uh, Danny Elfman and John Williams and and all that sort of thing. So good. So what yeah. what instruments do, do you play then? Uh, I started as a piano player, uh, and then in high school, I picked up uh, bass, guitar, and drums. And then I sort of uh, dabble a little bit on enough. Just, there's about maybe five or six other instruments that I can play enough to get it into the computer and then fix it to sound like it's an instrument. For the most part, I'm still, I guess, a bass, guitar, and piano. So mm -hmm. when you're recording music in the studio, how does it work? Do you often record 
each instrument separately and then yeah it, it's uh on 99% of my music work it's just me so it'll be uh enormous sample libraries of for orchestral stuff and whatever else needs to go in there and then uh, i've got uh a number of guitars that will get called in to into service and and whatever else needs to go in there gets shoehorned in I mean, it's a completely different way of doing it. I bet you've seen it evolve over the years as well. Oh yeah, all the technology and everything. Well, when I um, <laughs> when I started, I was working at this internet company, and uh, they were a the company was very successful, and um, and I had an eight gig hard drive on my oh. uh, on my uh, studio computer, and the company couldn't afford a bigger one. <laughs> or, or they could that's not true they couldn't justify a bigger one yeah so i've gone from that to 384 gigs of ram and uh and it's, it's just you know the things that uh we can do now um it, it i don't know that it always makes for better music but sort of the curse of too many crayons now you can have every possible instrument in the world so um so what are you actually going to do with it and you run into that all the time and, and i made an obscenely big template that has every possible instrument and then i at the start of any project i spend half an hour taking things out i would have thought it was it was actually a really interesting time for you as you're developing them because i i think if we think about especially with a video game focus from the early 90s to the early noughties so that 10-year difference where we're going from a lot of 8-bit 16-bit video mm. games to suddenly we've got games in 3d so now we need soundtracks and compositions to match what we're seeing mm -hmm. i bet that must have been quite interesting for you to kind of develop oh actually if i'm going into this area then i actually need to do different things or do things that may align more with a tv show or a film or a theater where we actually are going to hear proper instruments in it yeah well it's um when i came in it was still fairly rudimentary like we were we were using audio uh or like full audio tracks it wasn't just um uh like the n64 days where it was a extremely limited sample library that then is triggered from from there so they were using fully produced music but it was more in loops uh there'd be like uh in nightfire i'm, I'm pretty sure it was all just big loops that there was a few different levels of intensity that they would uh jump between but it it was um it wasn't nearly like it, it is at this point but yeah it was um when you start hearing i can't even remember the game but a friend of mine showing me something that he was playing uh this would be the ps1 days and uh and the music was like oh crap this is actually really good music like this is this is exciting this is i'd, I'd done a few student games uh at that point and it was a, a lot of boops and beeps and <laughs> and you know which it, it has its place and 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 can be lots of fun but as far as um trying to really get the the emotion of it i i started getting excited when i started hearing people reaching a little bit farther you've got so much to to go out with a game how many you know it's absolutely enormous aren't they the world building and all that oh yeah it's well and especially music now, wasn't it, to create than for a, for a two-hour film i suppose these days yes for sure when i did nightfire i uh I think I did about 25 minutes of music. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, and I only did the, the uh, driving levels uh, for Nightfire. So th there would be more music in the game, but uh, from what I actually worked on, there was about 25, I think. So how did you get involved in 
Nightfire then. That was the first one, wasn't it? The first bomb. That was, yeah. And at that point, I was doing a lot of student films and shorts, and I don't think I'd even done a feature at that point. I thought I was going to be working on a TV series, and I got a little bit too big for my britches and rented a fancy apartment I couldn't really afford, and then the TV series fell through. <laughs> and uh, so then I was like, oh, God, I've signed the lease. So for a year or so, I was scraping by and not really making a living at all. Sort of out of, well, borderline desperation, I uh, I was looking for any job I could get. And I went on the EA jobs board, and they were hiring a sound designer. I was like, well, I've done a little bit of sound design. I've got all the tools. I've, I'm sure I could muddle my way through that. And, um, and then <laughs> I, I put that in, and, and that went for probably a week or so before I heard anything. The the story that kind of came from that was my girlfriend at the time, uh, now wife, uh, took me out for dinner. At you know, took pity on me, and we went out for Chinese food. And I'm at this point, I'm very skinny and really hungry. And um, she uh, or we got some beef and broccoli, and it shows up and it smells amazing. And I just grabbed some broccoli and fired it in my mouth, forgetting that broccoli holds heat. Like so, like this thing is molten and it locks to the roof of my mouth and is burning my taste buds away and i can't do a thing about it and i'm just feeling terrible it couldn't taste the rest of the meal and i'm all down on my or on my situation the fortune cookie comes that night and it said soon you'll be sitting on top of the world and i'm like oh yeah right <laughs> and uh the next day i got the call for bar um, oh, wow and, and so i went in for the interview and I didn't know it was Bond at that point, but it was, I went in and I met with the audio director and one of the programmers. It turned out the interview was for Need for Speed and for Bond. And when I found out it was Bond, I was very excited. Uh, Need for Speed also, but, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I grew, grew up a huge Bond fan and and was like halfway through reading a John Barry biography at that point. And, oh. uh, and so... I was really excited about this as a possibility. And then I had taken my music reel with me and uh, Jen Lewis, the audio director, um, had just said, so I see you got your reel with you. What kind of music uh, do you do? I said, oh, you know, I do film score stuff, big orchestra and electronic and that sort of thing. It's like, really? Well, we don't have a composer lined up for Bond yet. And I fell all over myself, like just <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it's like, oh my God, can I, can I demo for this? I, I know this stuff inside and out. Like yeah. I, I've, I've got, I'm reading the John Barry biography right now. I've seen, I've got multiple copies of the movies and soundtracks. I've gotten speeding tickets driving to this music. Uh, <laughs> and she, I, I think enthusiasm alone uh, yeah. got me a chance to pitch on it. But, you know, she lent me some of her own personal audio gear to do the demo, even. Like, mm -hmm. she was fantastic, okay. and and we're still good friends to to, the, to this day. Um, but, yeah, I went home, and, and I spent a few days and just did what the best I could, and, and then I got the gig, and, and it was, like I said, a, just a dream come true. Like, I, um, I couldn't believe my luck, and spent maybe three or four months working on it wow okay yeah i think a lot of people maybe don't have a, a clear idea of how kind of compositional music works for any form of projects and the time scales that it is and i think for most projects anyway music would come towards the end rather than from the very beginning 
But was there, what time was it from like preparation, kind of going into it, looking at what you had to do compared to actually then getting it done and then making sure that it was tweaked to fit uh, for the game properly? Uh, I spent, I think it was about three months, which, you know, considering there was only 25 or so minutes of music, I'm not really sure how I spent that much time on it. And I think I started probably April, April, May, somewhere around there. And if I remember correctly, the game was released like October, November. So it was, I would think, fairly close to the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had... However many levels there were, there were probably seven that I worked on, something like that. So I was working with uh, animatics or um, really rough animation for the cutscenes, and I'd go into the the studio at EA, which um, happened to be in Burnaby where I was living, and um, take a look at gameplay in action, and and um, and then go home and just figure out what was next like what what was going to fit and uh then i would uh from i i think that i i was sending in the levels in progress you know i'd get 45 seconds or a minute done and then i'd send it off and get some feedback and polish and polish and polish and polish and then keep expanding when you're saying about uh loop looping as well and that was like still very much the practice at that time was there mm-hmm. kind of an amount was it like you need to get 90 seconds worth or 120 seconds worth of music yeah that's then gonna loop around yeah i think from what i remember they were probably a minute and a half two minutes maybe a little bit more but uh yeah it, w- it would be a big long chunk that then had to sort of seamlessly turn itself around and and um uh and repeat because when you're dealing with Bond, are you, are you told you can use the Bond theme or you can use this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, with that one, uh, the game before uh, Nightfire was Agent Under Fire. Yeah. And I, no, they had it for that. It was the world's not enough they didn't have the Bond theme. And that was back in the N64 days. Mm. And the game was fine and the music was was really good. But it certainly, if you don't have the theme, it's yeah. it's... So then I overcompensated it and I just drove that theme right into the ground. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, in hindsight, I think I probably would have uh, taken a, a little bit more of a um, conservative approach to that. But yeah, when you find out you get to use that theme, then like, why wouldn't you? It, there's nothing cooler than feeling like you're just sitting there or you're just playing one of the best themes ever. Yeah. And it's the arrangement, the different arrangements of the theme. Oh, yeah. So much to go on. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's never just one type as well. And you can and you see that in any of the Bond films anyway. It's always used in a slightly different way or a completely different way. Like to how John Barry did it, it was completely different to how you know Michael Kamen, you know, used it. Yeah. And you know, I think when you're in a video game world, you've got more flexibility, I would say, because with film, it's very much it's got to be used at the at the right time but for a video game user you're gonna have to you know play these levels a lot and you're going back and i think it's good to have that that kind of through line that that makes it okay and i think you know adding on to the bond theme there's also numerous other kind of james bond iconic pieces of music that are that are sprinkled in throughout you know i know there's bits from thunderball and secret service from russia yeah. love and it's just things like that whereas you know, if you're a kid, like I was at the time, it all sounds familiar and it just kind of helps you get into that world. But for maybe older fans who are playing it, they go, that's from that. 
and I think it yep. just makes the experience more enjoyable. So for you as a fan, actually being part of it and being so enthusiastic, as you say, and I think that definitely elevated uh, what we were hearing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I know even uh, like John Barry, some of his later scores, I don't know if, if he was just wanting to expand it for his own interest or what but you know like by the time he gets to octopus he, he's doing stuff like instead of the he's doing like he's just changing up the where it goes up it goes down and like just it uh it's there's subtle little shifts but uh but it it just keeps expanding and then that can be grabbed for another thing and and that little melodic twist can be brought in and then you're not hearing just the same uh, literal statement over and over again. And did you have a sort of sound in your mind that this needs to fit in with the Pierce Brosnan, David Arnold sort of sound? Yeah. Well, David Arnold, come on. Like, the, the guy is amazing. Like, uh, I when I got the Tomorrow Never Dies score, just listened to it, it's like, okay, well, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is the coolest music ever. And, um, you know, taking all the history of the John Barry stuff and then just updating it in some ways, but it, it's really such a loving tribute to, to the Barry stuff that it, it was so good. And so that's what, especially at that time, that's what Bond sounded like. That, that's what it felt like it was supposed to be. Because you put in a bit of the modern, sort of the, not the drum and bass, but the more sort of electronic sound in the background as well. Oh yeah, no, I'm really like, I just, <laughs> I, I turned on the David Arnold scores and I just sat there staring <laughs> at the speakers going, okay, what can I pull from this? <laughs> like stylistically, I, I just I just love it so much. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, consider, you know, Nightfire and Everything or Nothing to be kind of, you know, the kind of the additional films or whatever of Brosnan Zero because of those elements, especially like the music, you know, the world is not enough in Dino of Day that definitely uses that electronic sound. And mm-hmm. I think you hear it even more with everything or nothing, but with Nightfire, it feels like, oh yeah, this could very easily slot between, you know, the world is not enough and Dino of a Day, which I think was like being released at the exact same time as the video game as well. Yeah, we actually went to, there was a uh, screening of Die Another Day that uh, they did. I don't think it was that long before the movie actually came out. But uh, it was a whole bunch of the the team uh, that was doing the game that got invited to go check it out. And uh, so we got to see the movie early, which was, it's like, this is so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So lucky that those days, weren't we? The amount of stuff that was going on. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Because you, like you say, just had Agent Under Fire. You had Down of the Day. Then you've got Night Fire. Then you've got Everything or Nothing. And yeah, right up until sort of that end of the Pierce Brosnan era, it was just churning them out but at yeah. a really high standard as well i know I yeah. mean, the game sam just tell us about how you, your love for the game is but <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like i mean i i was kind of around at the really kind of lucky time of you know i had cousins who owned an n64 so i was able to play golden eye but mm-hmm. i was kind of seven eight years old when it was night fire which you know just short of the of the age rating a little bit but (laughs) you know i mean looking back i think it's very you know compared to what it could have been i think it's very kind of anyone could play it um yeah and it'd be fine but just you know being able to do that co-op multiplayer with with people around you and having those experiences and okay i'm gonna have a go at playing this level i'm gonna have a go at playing this i think all of us wanted to play the driving levels, obviously, I think, especially because, you know, 
the Aston Martin in the game was yeah. just out for the first time in Dine of a yeah. Day. You know, it was such an exciting, you know, thing to be able to play as this car, which, you know, there was no Dine of a Day tying games. So Nightfire was kind of where the ki- where the kids would go. Yeah. Like before that, th- there was still like when Goldeneye came out, the- when the game came out, I think it was 97. And yeah. More Never Dies had just come out around the same time. But I would think that if, if you really look at it, the game had a bigger social impact or um, or not social, uh, a pop culture impact. Yeah. Like it, it, that was more ubiquitous than the movie was. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's for kids that aren't necessarily going to the movies, that would be, uh, I think it was a pretty common first introduction and where you'd get to spend a lot of time with it. Mm. It's, definitely, it's definitely a window. Isn't yeah. it? So it's a way for, you know, the producers of Bond to go, right, okay, there's these different avenues to get audiences into the films. How do we do that? Yeah. Video games have suddenly become, not suddenly, but they've become very popular, especially as technology evolves. You can really create a Bond world. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's definitely part true. And there's probably a whole generation of kids that uh, were disappointed when they went to see him in the theater and he wasn't putting proximity mines everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, don't, I mean, I, I mean, I did like Dino Day to be fair, but yeah, I think, I think afterwards is when it's like, okay, this is actually is not the bond that I was playing four years ago. Uh, what, what's happening, <laughs> yeah. but... We did get a Dino the Day game as part of 007 Legends. In the end. Oh, that's right. You know, I never yeah. ended up yeah. playing yeah. that one, but uh... so hard to get past the first level. I, the Goldfinger level. Oh really? Yeah. 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 I mean it's, it's definitely Call of Duty-esque. And I think yeah. that's what makes people like go back to these games is that I think it's again, as I said before, just a very it's that sweet spot where technology is evolved enough where it's actually very, very solid games, but it's not, you know, too focused on your know, realism like to the you know nth degree and it's not all just shoot, 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 which is I think yeah. what the Bond games became, whereas this was very much we want to create it's like a, a, a mix between a Roger Moore and a Pierce Brosnan film yeah. as a video yeah. game, which is Very the vibe that I got because I watched the Roger Moore films the most as a kid. So that's kind yeah. of the vibe that I would get. Time to face gravity. Probably the tone that quite a lot of our fans and Bond fans would want for the new the new films, I think, something a bit lighter, just that I don't know escapist element to it, where mm-hmm. not maybe not too fantastical, but because I know I mean Nightfire and he's in space, isn't he, and stuff. But it's, yeah, <laughs> but we we love me and Sam, we love all. You know, Moon, Moonraker is one of our favorite films, exactly, yeah. which is about as ridiculous as it gets. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a video game, so yeah, I think you've got a bit of license to go that far in those worlds. It's basically a massive film plot, isn't it? Like Sam yeah. said, you're getting. You've got the driving, you've got the shoot 'em up style, but there's also the elements in between where the plot's explained and the yeah, character- you've got a little bit, a little bit of stealth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stealth is maybe a, a bit of a stretch, but uh, <laughs> but uh, let's call it just walking. Yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. Crouching. Yeah. Yes. What was it like to play the game for the first time? Was that incredible? Oh, incredible! Yeah, it, it was because I I'd spent you know my 10,000 hours on Goldeneye and uh, and then I got a copy of Agent Under Fire when I was working on it you know I uh, so I'd, I'd spent a good amount of time with the games and so getting to do it, it myself and then you know my gun barrel comes up and uh, oh, yeah and, yeah and all that like that that was it, it couldn't have been more exciting 
Tell us about that, the gun barrel. I want to hear. <laughs> oh, I, I think I pretty much uh, lifted the well. The arrangements change from movie to movie, but I, yeah. I it was uh, Tomorrow Never Dies inspired for sure. Yeah, when I found out that that was in the, the opening cinematic, uh, Flying Over Paris, that was oh. I, I was so just stoked about that. Well, yeah, that's the thing with 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 that level, you know, for sure is that. You know, when you first play the game for the first time, you don't get a menu, you go straight to that gun barrel. And I think, yeah. you know, a- yeah. Agent yeah. Under Fire did a really solid job of kind of, you know, saying, oh, this is where we're going to go on this next generation of consoles. But then yeah. to have this game, you get Pierce Brosnan's, you know, face in this, you get a mm. gun barrel, you get a pre title sequence, which was, you know, I think an amazing introduction. Great music, of course, as well. Closer to the road. And then a title sequence. And I think that's why people kind of gravitate more towards these because it does feel like a fuller experience. Don't love me quietly. Do it with intensity. more of the elements were in place. You know, it, it's a little, I, I think a little bit tricky when you don't have the likeness of, of Bond. You know, they did their amalgam of <laughs> the police drawing of yeah, yeah. someone that vaguely looked like James Bond. And for what it was, it, it was it was good. It was like, it was a really enjoyable game. And, and you've got the theme in there and you've got the storyline um, from what I remember felt a lot um, more in line with the Bond stuff. But then with Nightfire, you put in the pre-title and then you put in the title sequence, which which felt like, okay, now it's coming together. And then we've got Pierce's face and, and Maxwell Caulfield's voice. But, um, but it's all uh, coming closer. It was almost like uh, with the Craig movies, how they evolved to, you know, okay, now we've got Ray Fiennes as M and we've got yeah. Q and we've got Moneypenny. Yeah. And we've got the the quilted leather door and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, now all the ingredients are in place and now we're, uh, now we're really ready to go. Cause I think it was perfected with everything or nothing with, with having, you know, the original theme song by, by Maya, but I know in Nightfire mm-hmm. they use, you know, Estero's, uh, nearly civilized. And I don't know whether, yep. cause I've spoken with a lot of other fans who are like my age, where we've kind of come together and go, what actually, you know, happened then? I don't know if you know the answer, but just, you know, was, 
you know, there ever a, a plan to either create an a, original song or is it just like, okay, we'll, we'll use this song, we'll get the rights to use this for that? Because it doesn't sound as if it was made for the game. Uh, I really don't know. Um, that would have been in a different department. Um, it was split up between at least two studios uh, because Burnaby, uh, I guess EA Canada or EA Vancouver, was um, they were doing the driving yeah. levels. And I think that's about it. I, I was working with uh, a few people uh, specifically, um, but I, the first person levels were being done elsewhere. And also I wasn't even working at the office. I was working in my apartment. So, oh, uh, wow. Sweet. So, yeah. that, that must have been a bit weird then to like see uh, at the end, see all this stuff and hear this stuff in the video game, but you not actually have interacted as much. I mean, do you prefer that to kind of, yeah, only from. because that sort of seems to be how it goes for most projects um, that I've worked on over the last however many years. I'm working in whether it's a studio that I, I um, am renting or working from home or whatever, but for the most part, it's me in a room by myself. And and then you know, you with the movie projects I'm, I'm on, most of the time it's uh, a meeting at the start and a meeting at the end, and. And for, other than that, it's the occasional Zoom call and and lots of emails. How's this going? Yeah. Is it going well? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for those, you'll have the actual film footage, won't you? But on the game, I don't know how much footage you send. They were sending, they did send me some video in progress to just sort of see how the music was lining up. Um, yeah. Like I know for the underwater levels, I, I remember having uh, a fair bit of that. To, to look at, yeah, try and get get the sound for it, and then, then the cinematics I had, like the a, more rudimentarily animated, um, yeah, blockier versions. For the like Paris opening and all that, and mm -hmm. it, you, you know, you know, like it's in Paris, so yeah, <laughs> wanted to do accordions and you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't think there was a whole lot of directive to make it uh, location specific, but it was really more just to do with the action. Yeah, and I think after you've just mentioned about, you know, your focus on action scenes, I, I'm sure I remember hearing that. I think, you know, there's a certain branch of EA that were just doing the drive-in levels mm -hmm. or that was that was outsourced somewhere else. So I think that would make sense that you that the music itself would also be done elsewhere for specifically for those action scenes. I mean, with that, I was actually playing the the driving levels earlier because I was like, I just oh, wanted nice. to get a feel. I just wanted to get a feel for it and stuff and just actually hear that. But was there any like particular like favorite you know, elements aside from the gun barrel, which must have just been the best thing ever, but was oh, any yeah. like favorite parts of, you know, any of those action sequences that you're like, okay, I'll I'll put this, I'll do this here, or I'll, you know, with the deep descent underwater level, you know, make it sound a bit more airy until, you know, it's the action really starts. You know, is there any favorite parts of that? Yeah, with Paris level, that was a lot of that was the demo um that I had originally done to get the game. Now, 007. Into it! 
is in that truck. If we hurry, we can still catch it. By the way, who are you? The name's Bond. James Bond. A lot of the melodic stuff and the arrangements, and then I expanded on them when I actually scored the level. That one was the first one I did, and, and it was just so much, uh, so much fun to get into. And, and also technologically, at the time I was working on, uh, I had, you know, my keyboard that I'd had for eight years or whatever at that point, and I had a, a couple of samplers, but my gear was really limited. And so I also, at that point, uh, hard disk samplers and like computer-based sampling was just sort of coming into the forefront. And so I had a new computer and a new technology that I had to learn and all these samplers or samples that could do so much more than what I was used to. And so uh, it was really exciting to get into that. And it, it just kind of felt like everything was opening up that way as, as well. I really liked the, I can't remember the level name, it's the Alps. When you're... Uh, mm. Enemies vanquished, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th th that's it. Yeah, that's right. Was this car here the whole night? Perhaps, but you look like you needed the rest. I don't recall getting much rest at all, James. I, that track was so much fun. It was just kind of a dirty, dirty groove in it. And then the deep descent, doing all the underwater sounds was awesome. The Vanquish should provide the most discreet approach to Drake's Island. Agent McCall, if you please. We're driving there? Precisely. Ignore that sinking feeling, Agent McCall. Everything is under control. And most of that is just me with a, a guitar run through a whole bunch of effects and just, you know, playing with a whammy bar way down and going, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I was like, oh, that sounds underwater. Okay. Each of the levels, they all kind of had their own little identities. They all had their own parts that I really enjoyed. I was smiling for like, whatever, four months. And uh, it was great. Knowing that millions of people bought that game and played it, it's, it must be amazing. To, you know, they've, they've had that music in their heads and they've heard it for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> It's yeah, it, it's it's really kind of bizarre to think about that sort of thing, and, and yeah. you know, stuff that I was just doing in in the spare bedroom, uh, yeah. basically, and <laughs> uh, and people twenty years later are still somewhat interested, yeah. which is amazing. Even now, it's like sometimes I'll be working. It's like I just need to concentrate on writing this. It's like right, okay, I'm just gonna put. I need to put on a soundtrack, and it's like oh, I'll just put Nightfire on today, and I'll just like listen. Oh, to that. And it's like so. I wish you, know, you had CDs. Like I know they they released that extended Tomorrow Never Dies soundtrack uh, not too long ago. Mm -hmm. So I got that, and it's just it's great to get music from so long ago and just hear more of it and hear it extremely clear. Um, yeah, because you can only imagine what that experience would be would be like but it's amazing well i there is a bit of a, it's not actually a promo score but there is some of the nightfire music 
that I did. It's floating around the internet. I had put together a CD for friends and family uh, for Christmas presents that year. Oh. And uh, and that's what it is. Some Someone put it on the internet. And <laughs> so uh, I think pretty much every note of music I did in the game is out there. You don't mind that, do you? That, well, I suppose everyone can listen to it now, can't they? But... Yeah, well, and no. I was never going to make any money on it anyway. No. <laughs> so, like, for, from that perspective, it never bothered me. And uh, yeah, no, it was just a, it was cool that people seemed to have interest. We released it with an audio commentary and talk about it. Now. Yeah, yeah. Money, yeah. There is money to be made there somewhere. Well, what I was, I was hoping to do last year, because it was the 20th anniversary, I had a little bit of a lull between projects and I thought I should re record those. Uh, oh, yeah. and uh, just do it now and like see if I learned anything in 20 years and it was such a great idea that I got really excited about then the way things always go you know if you've got a gap in your schedule something will fill it so uh, yeah. so but maybe sometime because it was like I said it was just uh, they were so much fun to do and it'd be really um, interesting to go back and see if I could do something maybe a little bit different maybe a little bit bigger maybe a little better but at least just kind of play in that world again well 25th anniversary is coming up you that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll block out some time Absolutely. in the calendar. Yeah. yeah. I did listen. Someone did do a cover of a song a few months ago, I think himself, and they put it on YouTube. I can't remember which track it was, but it was something from Nightfire, and it's everything's always GoldenEye specific, so it's really nice yeah. to hear you know, something from the other games. And it was so well done, and it was just like, there's definitely love there. And I know I've, again, when I'm speaking to Tom or a lot of people from like the community, as much as... We love GoldenEye and that's kind of, you know, it's ch it changed not only kind of Bond video games, but video games in general and mm -hmm. how how first person shooters work. But I think the Bond community like definitely lean towards, you know, Nightfire and Ephron or nothing yeah. just because of how well done they are. They may not have had in a general sense the big, mm -hmm. you know, the big celebration. But I think if people were picking a top five, a top three, those two would be in there. Oh yeah. Um, so the, so they are still really important. Oh, that's really cool. We sh you should check out Calvin Dyson's a, a very prominent YouTube, Bond YouTube fan, and oh, he's yeah. done a it's about an hour and forty five minute basically tribute to Nightfire. Oh, and sweet. Yeah, every, every level, all the background to it, it's absolutely brilliant. So oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll absolutely look for that. And he likes the music too. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, EA must have loved it. I mean, is that is that how you work asked back for everything or nothing? I think it was it was largely from the the relationship built up, and they brought in Sean Callery to do. Uh, and you know, I that was another thing because at the time I was also like an enormous Twenty Four fan, so it was just like, yeah, oh my yeah, god, the amazing, world's colliding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he got uh, brought in to do the game, and I had done some early. I think it was before he got involved. It was maybe the E three presentation or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I did Egypt mission, I think, chasing a train. I think we may be reaching the end of the line here. After you. Can we catch him? Can you fly this, Mr. Bond? Thanks. James, you saved my life. How can I ever repay you? Allow me to take you to dinner. Next time you're in London. I'd like that. But until then... 
Take that as a small down payment. Hmm. I look forward to collecting the rest. There was a couple other things. There was like. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Maybe two or three minutes of, uh, of music. And... So I'd done that and then Sean was going to do the game and that I was um, excited, very excited to hear what he was going to do. Um, And then I think schedule wise, they had some stuff they added at the end that he wasn't available for. And so I got asked to to chip in a little bit on maybe four levels, three, four levels. Yeah. I actually checked out some of the, well, all the F and nothing soundtrack just to, and to just try and see if i could hear anything that would you know resemble Ivan Ivan night fight or something I, I know someone puts in the description of the videos who composed what and that they they had written your name for the gun barrel uh, yeah the, the, that was my gun barrel yeah. again yeah. I, I didn't i didn't know that was happening until i played the game um, oh wow oh <laughs> yeah and then i it was all chuffed <laughs> so did you do you adapt that slightly the, the gun barrel. Yeah, it was it was a new gun barrel, and I think that was for three oh. for for that presentation. And and uh, but I yeah, I had no idea it was going to be in the game, and I was uh, tickled. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was that, and I think a couple of New Orleans levels. Um, yep, there was a a mission that Sean had done in New Orleans, and I had some of his percussion stems that mm. then I did my like to try and make it blend. Um, mm. So I got I got to play with some of his stuff. Well done, Bond. Now get to that warehouse. There was a mission where you're driving a a big truck. I did that one, and it kind of had a a slower sort of plotting group to it. Thank you for saving my life. Perhaps you can return the favor sometime. Who's keeping score? Come inside. And there was a beach. There's never valet parking when you need it most. 
I remember Nightfire a lot more uh, detailed than I than Everything or Nothing. But uh, but yeah, no, that was uh, it was really cool to even because I was such a twenty four fan, getting some of Sean's tracks and getting to listen to them and just go under the hood and go, oh, here's what he's doing. Okay, okay, he's doing yeah. that with percussion. Okay, that, that's cool. What can I throw in there that's going to help or, or at least not sound like it doesn't belong it, but, do, it does uh, yeah. sound flawless like in terms of like you know the different levels you, you wouldn't be able to tell that it's you know different people composing oh, cool. dif- different well, sections and, I, and I'd, I I did want to ask as well you know with Nightfire and Ephron or nothing you know what's do you get to speak with other people who are working on it to kind of like then go right okay I'm doing this level it's going to sound like this you know and either we use the same elements to kind of make that transition a bit more seamless uh, not not in that case no because the stuff I had done initially was uh very early on and then Sean came in and, and did the game and however much time he had to do the game and then then he was back at 24 uh when I got brought in for the, the last stuff so I think the stems and sessions that, that came to me uh came uh through ea so is ea those are the guys you were in touch with most and updating you and telling you what's what was going on yeah well and uh i lived 10 minutes away from their studio so yeah uh, yeah so (laughs) it was really convenient to just pop in and uh and go for meetings and whatever so uh that was helpful who's doing the new there is a new bond game isn't there some eventually going to come out but it's not yeah even- yeah from the creators of um the hitman games and i can't oh idos and io maybe yeah yeah i think that's it like i can see it is it is does have io in there <laughs> oh yeah right. io io interactive io right. interactive yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we've not heard anything since the initial kind of announcement so it's kind of like is this going to happen because 007 legends was the last video game that we got and yeah. that was 20 the was it 2012 in line with yeah it was skyfall it was to coincide with skyfall yeah yeah oh, really? anniversary yeah i don't know what's going on but we that's something that we i think it's mainly because the films it wouldn't really reflect them although we did have bloodstone yeah. it's a long time ago again but at least yeah. it fills the gaps between the films and they are films in their own right these these ones yeah absolutely i mean really you could say nightfire is possibly the first one where it felt like a film, its own film. And that you mm-hmm. could, like you say, you're not, it's not just these emissions Bond would do. There's like a plot, there's a storyline, there's voice artists, there's the score. You've got to have the classic elements like the gun barrel and everything, which. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think uh, Bruce Firestein even wrote. Yeah, uh, he did. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. That's how seriously it was taken, you know, and the mm-hmm. caliber of people who were involved is amazing. And yeah, I mean, everything or nothing is, I think that did, that is getting a lot of love as well. But I, th- I, I hope so. Yeah, you do. yeah. I mean, they're, they're both, like Sam says, for Bond fans who, I don't know. But I think some Bond, Bond fans might get a bit annoyed when someone mentions who isn't a Bond fan who says, oh, yeah, I love Goldeneye. And you say, oh, yeah, it's a great film, isn't it? Like, what? It's not. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think they're a bit more protective over the, the ones that came after. Yeah, Nightfire is, is uh, it's probably regarded, I would have thought, as the second best Bond game by anyone anyway to 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 work on these is, is amazing and and the Pierce Brosnan era is the one we grew up with of course yeah as he was our Bond on cinema at the time yeah he's loved of course by the Bond community as well so yeah I thought that, that he voiced 
Bond and yeah, yeah. and they got Sean and Elizabeth, Hardy Klum, like yeah, all yeah. these Willem actors, and, and yeah, Willem Dafoe has yeah. like all these. I mean, it, it's kind of wild to think about in in that oh. time when video games were still very kind of maybe not taken as seriously, maybe just yeah. known as like quick money earners um, yeah. and not you know massive deals as they are. So I mean, it's that they put a lot of eggs in one basket with that game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like it sort of seems like because that was 2004 and it was right around that time that video games as a an industry were starting to narratively mature and yeah. and so it, it wasn't seen as much as a kid's game or just uh like you're saying sort of a throwaway quick buck like it felt like that was um by going for a an ambitious cast that it, it felt like that was um i don't know adding legitimacy to the whole thing it, it really I, i've forgotten about some of the names in yeah everything or nothing but uh but yeah like you know it was a great cast they even took some of the plot elements i think from <laughs> into no time to die so yeah oh dear in terms of you you said you're a bond fan who who was your favorite bond growing up jeff you know for the most part it was kind of whoever was in the chair at at any given yeah. time. Um, yeah, yeah. I came in, I probably, I don't know the first one I saw, but it probably would have been around Octopussy. And and from what I remember, uh, it, it was probably on TV. They were, yeah. would be showing it. And I seem to remember seeing uh, Never Say Never Again a lot. Yeah. It was probably on TV a lot around that time. And then I I, I really liked Timothy Dalton when he was, when yes. he was there. Like, th- that's when I... Um, Good man. I've got like a uh, history of 007 book that I bought oh, right. in when in like 1987, and oh, wow. it was uh, oh. like with all all the um, all the uh, Living Daylights propaganda at the time and oh. whatever. And so that's when I really got into it and started getting obsessive. And then I thought Pierce Brosnan was great, and then Daniel Craig was amazing. So uh, so I'm, I'm just yeah. <laughs> they've been doing pretty well with the cast. Yeah. But that's the thing, like the, the casting's always been spot on. I think every time they've, they've recast Bond, so we're just we're just hoping and waiting that we're going to get an announcement at some point soon for the, for the next Bond. Well, and, yeah, and it's they've really kind of put themselves in a bit of a tough spot. Yeah, because <laughs> the the Craig movies, I, I love them. Uh, they they weren't perfect, but yeah, yeah. But he he did such a bang up job of like he always. He never seemed like he was phoning it in, and he uh, was always seemed to be bringing as much as he could to it. And you would hope that the next person would do the same. Yeah. But with the ending of No Time to Die and, and the narrative challenges that's going to present, it'd be interesting to see what they do next. But yeah, like there's all these names that get bandied about as who's going to be next, and I just kind of you have to trust. Absolutely, that, uh, yeah. that they're going to probably do a good job of picking. Yeah, you, you almost want an unknown, don't you? I know it's it's yeah. harder and harder to be unknown in these days of social media, isn't it? But yeah, that would be that would probably be my choice. Well, <laughs> you know, I had very little knowledge of Daniel Craig before. Exactly, yeah, 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 and for some of the uh, other people that are getting thrown out there, like Henry Cavill and Idris Elba, and some of those, like. Uh, I think they're amazing actors and I have no doubt that they would do a a fantastic job with the character, but there is something to be said for coming in and having it be this bit of an unknown. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get, get some more video games. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be really cool. (laughs) Yeah. And in terms of like your 
favorite Bond composers? And which is your favorite like Bond score? Do you reckon? On Her Majesty's Secret Service is pretty great. Yes. That theme, if I'm not actively playing it in the car when I'm driving in snow, I'm humming it in my head. Oh, like, yeah. The, yeah. And that's what I got a speaking ticket. Oh, really? Uh, I was, so, oh, what's a good oh, one? Yeah. But, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You're not supposed to be doing 50 kilometers over your speed limit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you supposed to do? It's a good song. Um, and uh, so good. Uh, the Arnold, I love Casino Royale. Uh, yeah. That that was so well handled. And I, I loved what they did about referencing the, the Bond theme without overtly saying it until the end. Yeah. Uh, and in, in fact, I've just worked on a, a movie that uh, I use that as the the pitch for my approach because it's a prequel to another series I'd worked on. Right. Okay. And, and so it was like, okay, well let's not use the, the, the new themes, but let's casino Royale it. And uh, yeah, we'll just hand, we'll it. hint. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it was a very clever score, isn't it? Oh and, yeah. And it's still like, so bond. It sounds very bond. It, it is. And like the, the Venice theme and the Vesper theme oh, and yeah. like, uh, African rundown was amazing. And like, yeah. just like, it was so good. I, I liked, uh, actually, I really liked Live and Let Die. I thought that was... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There was some really cool stuff in that. Like, all all the scores have something. There's yeah. uh, there's a couple that shook me a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> you don't mean Goldeneye, do you? <laughs> the lyri- the, I like the lyrical string writing. There's um, a few of uh, the love themes for uh, Bond and Natalia that were yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. And the rest of it uh, is very much 1995. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I love it, but I know many, right. many people do not. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Eric Serra, I, I, I've loved a lot of his work. Oh, yeah. The professional is beautiful, fifth element. Like He's done some amazing work. And it he, he went for something. He took a big swing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. David Arnold said that. He's like, fair play to you, mate. You know, I don't yeah. I'd have the guts to have done. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and and David Arnold's stuff across the board, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why he wasn't called, but I know Sam Mendes wanted Thomas Newman, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure why he wasn't called back for No Time to Die. But a lot of Bond fans would have him back. Of course they would. Yeah. Well, and you know, I love that score too. Like the. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was so impressed with, um, like, I, I, you know, I'm a, I love Zimmer's work kind of in general. He often sounds like himself. And uh, yeah. and I was, you know, who cares what anybody like me thinks, but um, I, I was a little, like, curious to see how he was going to adapt to the Bond world. And I, it sounded it sounded like a great Bond score. Yeah. I know you mean then, you don't want it to sound too Hans Zimmer, do you? But yeah, and then you know, by throwing in, uh, we have all the time in the world. I just about got misty. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it does that too, and, doesn't uh, it? That theme, my word. Oh yeah, that. And then uh, there's the, the little quote of um, "On Secret Service." The yeah, little descending baseline. Mm. Oh, it's yeah, beautiful. I think I read somewhere as well that the final. I think it's called "Final Ascent," the final track. You know, for the yeah. scene. It's like the Bond theme slowed down and repurposed. It's somewhere yeah. in there. It's like musically, it's above me, but incredible, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and you know, even Thomas Newman scores. Like I've listened yeah, yeah. to those a ton. Like they're very different in some ways, but but I like they really. There's a million ways to uh, 
skin a cat, I guess. And yeah. um, there haven't been a lot that I that I've disliked. Well, and, and in some ways, you know, you, we would want a John Barry or David Arnold to last forever, but it is great to have new influences and new yeah. styles. And I mean, like, you know, unlike, you know, yourself working on Nightfire, getting Sean in for everything or nothing and, you know, helping on that. I mean, it just, someone's perspective on things can just add so much more. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I love, I love John Barry's scores, and I, but I do think there's elements of, you know, his work in the eighties where, it feels a bit same with each other slightly, but then he has yep. these standout pieces, you know, interview to a kill and live and live in daylight. So you go, Oh, well, who cares about that one thing that I thought was a bit samey because everything else sounds fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What would you do, Jeff, with the next Bond theme? What would you the sense? Oh God. <laughs> I would sweat bullets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Like it, it sort of seems like the framework that's been established between the Arnold scores, the Newman scores and the Zimmer score, they've set a, a nice framework of old and new um, yeah, yeah. where they've, they've married it together really well with it sounding contemporary, but really having a deep history and all the, the very lushness, everything like it, it, if you can keep that all coming to it, he's like the, the Bond character, I think is probably a little bit tough to write for narratively and deceptively. So because yeah. we're 25 movies in and you would think we would actually know more about the character but he's kind of still his own little bit of mystery and we get a lot of, of a sense of who he is but yeah. as far as what's actually stated pre uh the daniel craig movies you don't get a lot of sense of his inner emotional life mm. or his uh the factual elements of his history from the movies and so there's i, I think from my writing perspective you're putting a lot of stuff which is subtext but deep subtext like that's maybe not even subtext we're seeing. It's more subtext that might be implied. And so I, I think that that is maybe um, a, a tricky thing. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure if that made any sense, but no, it, no, it, it just kind of popped into head. Because uh, all we've um, got really for the, the character up until, you know, when you get the Vesper theme and all that sort of stuff, the Bond theme was just used for him doing something very Bond. No, it, it, no, it yep. could be in a silly way in Roger Moore, you know, when yep. he... When he's going on the the train tracks, that's right. This is only Bond is going to do something like that. So that's when we use the Bond theme. Yeah, I, I mean in Nightfire, you know, you, you get the music when you look complete little tasks like da 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 da. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's like that's a Bond thing, and that's why you yeah. put that riff in there. Yeah, you've got your cool guy music, you've got your danger music, you've got yeah. your romantic music for yeah. <laughs> someone he's he's going to be taken to bed and then will be dead by morning um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit beyond that but not a whole lot mm. I think when, when you when you hear musical connective tissue it's a really exciting thing because it doesn't happen a lot in bond where no. you hear something from a previous bond or a previous iteration i think that's why yeah. when you hear something like an honor majesty you go oh my oh my god like it's just so connected to that film to just hear it used in a different context is is fantastic yeah. and of course with yeah. Vesper's theme and I think that's why hearing the references in the in the games just gets you more pumped up because it's very rare that you get that in films oh yeah 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 well in uh, No Time to Die there's like the Vesper theme shows up that little piano yeah movie. yeah mm. and uh, when he's at uh, her grave and I got chills like yeah well, that's what me- only music can do that can't it you know yeah without unnecessary dialogue the music does it for you which is great yeah we love Bond and the video games are 
I think the game realised again now that you can, you know, I could, what what's the thing you call uh, Sam to hook it up and you can play all these games? Oh, emu- emulation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. So the, these games are going to have a second life, and I, I'm hoping young young fans will be able to play them as well and, and listen to the. Well, that that'd be really music. cool, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got a 12 year old son who's he played a couple of the games that I've worked on, uh, oh. but but not uh, anything from that era, and so. Uh, I've still got my PlayStation or my PS2 uh, connect. Well, it's plugged in, but it's not actually connected to the TV because the cables. Uh, we need to <laughs> yeah. make a generational technological bridge. But yeah, uh, yeah. It, it'd be really cool to to go back and have a look at it and see how it holds up. And no, yeah. uh, it, it's so cool that uh, like I, you know, technology moves fast, and uh, and video games come and go and so you know 20 years later that people still remember it fondly is is, i never would have guessed and it's um it's great it's so cool to to see people still like it because like i had just the best time working on it and um you know drove my i just moved in with my wife at the time well my my girlfriend at the time now yeah yeah. and um we were living in a, a basement suite and she heard four months of the bond theme and <laughs> like was ready to murder me yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, it, it was uh, it was such a great time and such an exciting time to uh be involved in this because uh you know it, it was something i've loved since i was a kid you can say it sets it apart doesn't it i think it if it means so much to you and with other people we've spoken to who have been actors or whatever who grew up on bond films that's why they still want to talk about it all these years later because it's just it's like the the peak of the career isn't it you know they they're just so proud of anything any kind of connection with oh someone. yeah so it is i mean if you if you're english if you're british it's i don't know bond and the royal family are probably the most famous things really aren't it yeah <laughs> well and i'm curious like with you guys because i i'm would think you're a fair bit younger than i am how did you get into it like how did you come to it well, I, I was my older brothers and my dad. Had, they had, well, we had them recorded on TV yeah. with all the adverts, and because yeah. what I think Sam's the same. You, when you've just got them on video or Blu-ray or whatever, you don't, you didn't understand that Sean was first, and then you know, right. lays me and you know, you just oh, but he was yeah. I think it was someone was it saying that you thought they were two different bonds at the same time. You know, they were just two different companies making them or something, but yeah. You you just sort of through osmosis you got them. You maybe had your favourites that the ones were the most kid friendly at the start. You know, yeah. I I'd always come back to Octopus in Bam the Golden Gun and maybe Goldfinger. And then as yeah. you as you grow older, like the ones on a Majesty's was a bit tough as a kid. You know, it's a bit ooh, it's maybe a little bit boring as a child. But now you know when yeah. you watch it now, it's just that sensational. So yeah, yeah. It, it, your relationship with the films change, and obviously. Absolutely. People say Goldeneye came out when I was, I think, eleven or twelve. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my word! I've been waiting for a Bond because I was too young to see License to Kill, and that's yeah. that's probably now what my favorite Bond film. But Goldeneye was just, I couldn't believe it, and I, I, you know, watched it again and again at cinema, and then again and again on video, and then the game came out, and it just, it just gets the obsession then 
just completely grew. Yeah, it's probably it is probably yeah. similar to 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 me, except for I think because of having video games such a part of you know my childhood, plus having early Roger Moore films, my kind of ideal Bond or universe is something where it is a bit bombastic. It still has its serious elements, but it has yeah. you know all the 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 normal tropes that you would have in it. Um, but you know, Honor Majesty's is my favorite, and you know, something like License to Kill, which I've you know, said to Tom before, I used to find it so difficult to watch as a kid. I found it really, really difficult. But the older that I get, the more I appreciate it for, for what it is and find a lot to love about it. And yeah. I think everyone has that with every Bond film. There's there's definitely ones that you're just never gonna put on when you feel sadder down or anything, but you'll always go when you do see it and go, Well, actually, that was good, and oh, yeah. that element was good. Oh, oh that had a really good score, but Oh, maybe the acting was not the best from this person, <laughs> right. or whatever. Like, so, or or that particular moment they leaned too hard into something that was popular at that exact yeah six yeah, month period. yeah yeah. I know. Margaret yeah. Margaret Thatcher or, or something <laughs> appeared if your eyes only. I mean, you know. Oh dear, yeah. you've got to look. The British end up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say actually, just the other thing is. Because I mentioned Simpsons Hit and Run before, and I know there's been a lot of love for that online. You know, Simpsons is massive. I know people have been screaming for a remake of that. So if there's ever a remake of that happening, then you should definitely be involved as well. <laughs> as well, with well, that. Th- that one was another one that came right before Eon. I was working uh, at Radical, the company that made it, mm-hmm. and doing. I was a, just a contract sound designer, um, and. Uh, they had an in-house composer that I was friends with uh, named Mark Burrill. And so when they were doing Hit and Run, I just got kicked me a few tracks. So I think I did three three levels for that. And uh, it was another thing where it was like, okay, I do Bond and then Simpsons and then Bond. This is amazing. <laughs> Life is pretty good. A perfect couple of years of work then. Nothing, oh, nothing, nothing to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you're set for life, aren't you, after that? It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Jeff. Really, yeah, really oh. appreciate it. We, thank we you just, guys and yeah you guys doing this podcast and like between you and the james bonding podcast and a few others light the fuse for mission impossible like yeah yeah the podcasts are I, i've heard you talk about how with the lack of uh games uh in between movies and and the movies being a little bit more spaced out that it there's just not as much stuff but i think yeah. what you guys are doing is really instrumental in keeping the interest alive because because you can stay with a toe in the world because you're like listening to people talk about it. And that's, it's such a good listen and and it oh, really you. keeps, keeps the, uh, keeps the fandom alive. So I think you guys are really contributing. Oh, thank you, mate. And we, yeah. we, we just love to hear people chat about bond and who people who love it. And because yeah. you know, the enthusiasm rubs off on people, I think as well. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot to love in there for sure. There's fandom of all the different levels. There'll be like the casual fans that that only know the the last couple movies and saw two of the of the five in the theater or whatever. But you can still have really heated debates about it, and it's oh yeah yeah like like it's uh, <laughs> yeah. you get super nerds and you can dive really deep and then you know not come out until you're bloody and red eyed. It's it's yeah. it's awesome. I we, think we both understand that. We, do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we try not to fall out about Bond because it you know at the end of the day it's not life or death. It's meant to be something that we we love so much just to yeah. get away from the the stressful things in life. You know, you throw in a Bond film, you play the Bond game. And yeah. I think if you just go in with that attitude and 
yeah, we're very passionate about it and we'll have debates on. I mean, the last one was controversial, of course, and we've had hours yeah. of chatting about that. But I oh, no doubt. Great. you know, you, you want to you want to have the different opinions on it. and everything. Yeah. Well, and opinions change over time. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's good to have them on the record. So, you, you yeah. know, where you came from and why yeah. the worst movie ever is now the best movie ever. Yeah. It's a time capsule. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and, and regardless of the medium, whether it's the books, the films, the games, it's always good to just kind of like look back and take stock of where something's come from because, and how it's evolved since then. Um, yeah. And I know at least with, with this, when Tom said that this in two was happening, I was like, oh my, oh my God, it's, so, it's something relating to Nightfire. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, so thank you for for, for coming on and, and sharing. Oh, it's just so interesting pleasure. to hear that element of what yeah. makes video games. And, you know, obviously that's, You've had a long, successful career ever since, so um, which is also wonderful to hear. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it's my pleasure to talk about it because it, it was uh, certainly a, a fun time in my life. Really pleased to be part of it. <laughs> this has actually had nothing to do with uh, talking to you guys, but... Uh, oh, my word. <laughs> we, we moved uh, a couple of years ago, and th this just got... I was in my garage, so um, oh, I, I found it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that was just the uh, development team, and it's been sitting in the room I'm in ever since, just kind of coincidentally, because I wasn't sure what to do with it, but like it's it was a huge aspect of my life, so... Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can't see because of the reflection, but there's uh, a couple of fan-made images up here, which is oh, Night, Nightfire in the middle and Everyone Are Nothing, created by Sean Longmore. And he's oh, a massive nice. fan of the games as well. And he's created a lot of the posters that you can kind of see, you know, yeah. here. There. Oh, excellent. It just shows that even now through, through things like this podcast and, you know, elsewhere, people are keeping it alive and keeping the love. And I think it's just yeah. celebra celebrating it because a lot of people have put a lot of work into everything. So um, we may as yeah. well hear yeah. their experiences and share them yeah well it's it's very cool that you guys are doing this so thank oh, you thanks jeff and we we want to you know extend the love of nightfire and everything or nothing in particular we you know we will eventually cover them in episodes i'm sure but to speak to somebody who's involved with it is, is so good and a real insight which is very rare these days you know it's uh it's very good of you to spend some of your time with us and chat through these i mean great days of bond they really were those. oh yeah Early 2000s, brilliant. Absolutely love yeah. it. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. And I will be listening. So, yeah. Great, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Shaken, not stirred. Or is it stirred, not shaken? Hmm. Definitely stirred. Astronomers from around the globe are reporting unexpected meteor showers. Well done, 007. Then I'm sure the world won't mind my taking a few days off. We'll let the autopilot be our designated driver. Oh, James. Really the best.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.